And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Solo pod today, friends. It's uh, got my co-host dropping like flies out there. It's not a great situation, but uh, I'm still here. Still standing. Hope everybody else is doing okay. Today, it's Monday. It's a little gloomy outside, but that's okay. We're all going to make it. Uh, Even if the Thunder aren't any good, (laughs) we're going to make it. Uh, And perhaps we will make it because they are not any good. Uh, So let's uh, let's dive in. I asked for questions on Twitter. You guys delivered, as you always do. And we are going to just get after it. We're going to try to answer as many of these questions as possible. I think there's upwards of 40 questions. So here we go. Let's start. <laughs> Doom and gloom with deluge data. What is the worst case scenario for your forecasting of this Thunder rebuild? The worst case scenario would start with the draft lottery this season. Obviously, Houston keeps their pick. Maybe they're in the top three. Maybe they get the number one pick. Unless if we're talking worst case scenario, that's probably the worst thing that could happen. They get the number one pick. And then if we stay about where we're at, around five, we could fall as far as eight. And so the eighth pick, which you don't, there's not a projected superstar there. It doesn't mean there's not a superstar there. But then you're back at it next season. All you have to show for it is eight and like 20 maybe in the draft. Not to say that those couldn't become something real, but it doesn't give you anything tangible at this point. And then you find yourself in a spot where you basically have to tank again because this isn't enough. That situation is not enough. And you have to roll into next season and try to figure it out, but you still have Shea and Dort and they're going to play. And that's probably the worst case scenario. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but that's certainly a worst case scenario. Uh, Luke underscore Mansky has a... Question's kind of tied to this. If OKC falls out of the top five, do you see them trading up? If so, what would we have to give up? So to me, if they end up at eight, I would still guess that they get something toward the top five in the draft. Because I think the willingness to be aggressive has been shown on the Thunder's end. And I would be surprised if they just walked away with eight. So yeah, I think multiple draft picks would be on the table. I would guess, depending on the team, perhaps Poku would be on the table. I think if it absolutely had to happen, and it was a very good deal for OKC, Lou Dort could be on the table. Uh, And I wouldn't even say Shea's out of the question. And this isn't me saying, oh my gosh, we should trade these guys. I'm just saying that the Thunder are going to be aggressive in pursuit of what Sam has said that they want, and that's just great sustainable success. And they don't have a roster that's there yet. They don't have a roster that's really even close to it yet. Yes, they had some success during the season. Yes, it was cool. But are they close to having the kind of success they want? No. So I think a lot of stuff's on the table with regards to trying to get there. But again, they may end up lucky and we don't have to go down that road at all, which would be the ideal scenario. Uh, at fanatic underscore OKC, if you had to bet which season OKC would win the championship right now, oh boy! Oh, uh, what season would it be, and against who, and how many games? Oh my gosh, this is so specific. Okay, two thousand twenty-seven against the hmm. Charlotte Hornets. 
Thunder Championship. Be riding on the parade together, everybody. Uh, Andrew Bubutu, did Al Baby Cakes break his arm on purpose to avoid doing a podcast about the Kings? Who's to say? Uh, it you know it's it's a sad pod to do, so perhaps it's true. At P underscore Adbay, what is your second favorite cereal? Hmm. Good good question. I think it's kind of a rotating chair when it comes to my second favorite cereal. Um, I would say that Frosted Mini Wheats is an easy go to there. Uh, I would also say that Golden Grams is one that I could put at number two. But it's more of a mood. What am I in the mood for? Uh, at some s- Simon Eat Dog is what I think that says. Final prediction on where we land in the reverse standings. Good question. I think a lot of it has to do with the other teams and what they do. If you look at 538 and their odds and where their predict their projection record ends up for the Thunder. They end up at 22 and 50. So that means they win one more game down the stretch of this season. And so the Thunder have seven more games left and a majority of them against the same teams. They're going to spend a ton of time in the Bay. They're going to spend a ton of time in Sacramento. So they have Sacramento at home on Tuesday. Then they get Golden State on the road Thursday, Golden State on the road Saturday. Both very important games for Golden State, by the way. They're, they don't have a guarantee to get into the play-in, so they need to win those games. And then we got Sacramento, Sacramento, both on the road too, Sunday, Tuesday. So I would say that winning one of those Sacramento games is certainly possible. And then even a depleted Utah team should handle OKC and even a depleted Clippers team, depending on who plays could still beat OKC. So the 22 and 50 kind of comes from that. And that would leave them tied with Orlando. And also there's a chance that they tie with Cleveland and the tiebreaker is an interesting one because they have, they're one and one with both the magic and the Cavs, and the thunder if I'm interpreting this correctly, would actually um, lose that tiebreaker, which means win the tiebreaker in the reverse standings and have the um, the better odds if they tie with those teams. So that's good news because it's, I think it comes down to conference record or conference win percentage after the head-to-head record when it comes to those teams. So correct me if I'm wrong, anybody. Can't correct me if I'm wrong, but that, I believe that's correct. Um, so I would say it's in the two to four range is what I would predict. The Timberwolves have played really well. I predict that they will win a few more games. Uh, the Pistons are, are pretty good. The Cavs are a mess. The Cavs are right now predicted to go 23 and 49. So that's only one more game than OKC, which is totally possible. But that team is a dumpster fire with regards to everything. So if they lose, I wouldn't be surprised to see them lose out. And then obviously the Rockets are going to have the worst record, which is what we've wanted all along. Gives the Thunder the best odds to get that fifth pick in the draft. So that's good. The highest pick possible the Thunder could get. So that's a good thing. But yeah, I'd predict in the two to four range is where the Thunder will end up with regards to odds. I mean, we saw how badly they lost to Indy. And then we saw last night against Phoenix. Yeah, Phoenix fell apart there at the end, but it really wasn't a close game. Uh, I was talking to Cliff Brunt, who works through the AP. I was sitting next to him in between him and Joe Masato last night at the game. And Cliff was like, isn't it strange how a 16-point game feels close? (laughs) It feels like a close game. And obviously not a close game at all. And the the Phoenix Suns kind of did this thing that Chris Paul's team's kind of tend to do and they did this in the playoffs against the Rockets but no one seems to really acknowledge it and he did it with the Clippers all those years no one seems to really acknowledge it now like people just want to talk about uh what a great player he is and he is a great player like no question but there's also been these fall aparts in the playoffs that we've seen and we I it was it was just it was a familiar sight to see the the Phoenix Suns melting down with Chris Paul being the leader it's just something weird about Chris uh, he's obviously a wonderful 
player and a really smart guy and one of the best uh, point guards ever. But man, I don't know. There's something to that. Uh, let's see. At Aaron Ogburn, do you think the Thunder will continue to look internationally with post-lottery picks? Do you think the recent run has been a coincidence? The place the Thunder might see a scouting edge or something to do with our move towards uh, positional flexibility and high IQ? I do think that it is a move toward positional flexibility and high IQ. And I think that it just happened to be that those international players are um, kind of fit that mold a little bit better than domestic players. And Darius Baisley is an example of a guy that grew up here and played here and has that positional flexibility, has the high IQ, can shoot pass, dribble, all that stuff. So, it's, so I agree that it's not necessarily that they're looking toward international, although it is easier to find an edge that way because I don't know that every team is willing to put in the work that the Thunder are to find them. And we've seen this with the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets worked their tails off to find those guys overseas and pick them in places where guys usually aren't selected um, that had the high impact that, that they have with Jokic and Nurkic and those guys. So I do think that it is there is something to that. And like, look no further than Josh Giddy, who is getting... He's climbing up draft boards. I think he's getting the attention of people. He's had several triple-doubles recently. I think that he's somebody that people are going to see as a multi-positional player that can handle. He can be a primary or secondary handler. It's really the shot that's the question. But to me, he feels like a New Age Thunder player. And the fact that he's international, um, is there's certainly something to that. I'm sure the Thunder have seen him up close. And I kind of get excited about him to a degree because I, I do think that he's somebody that makes sense for OKC. But I think that there's other domestic players in that same kind of range that makes sense too. I mean, Scotty Barnes is a guy who will probably be multi-positional, good passer, kind of does everything. Uh, the scoring is the question with him. So I would... Wouldn't be surprised to see either one of those guys in a Thunder uniform just because they seem to kind of fit where OKC is headed. But it's a good question, and it's something that I think we're going to continue to see as this team builds. Uh, this is from at Cap'n Corbin underscore, who runs the Down to Dunk Twitter account. So it's me and Jay and Taylor are the ones who run it, and... There's no rhyme or reason as to when we are tweeting and who is tweeting. I think it's typically Jay and Taylor, and I'll hop on there sometimes. So that's usually who runs the Down to Dunk Twitter account. We did give Luke the password years ago, and he somehow lost it, got logged out, and has been logged out for roughly seven years. Okay, next question comes from Thunder Up, Bo. Why don't you think they will say Shea is shut down for the season? Is there actually a chance that he comes back? Or is it to not get in get more backlash for tanking? I feel like the consensus is that he will be was done ever since he originally got out. So it's a good question. It's something that needs to be addressed, certainly. I would say that it was not a consensus that he was going to be out from the day that they found out that his plantar fasciitis was really bad. And I can say with some certainty that Shea couldn't have played for a long time. Now he is getting better. He's making progress. And, but still like you have to look, there's two weeks left in the season. The benefits do not outweigh what potential bad could happen to him uh, in the last two weeks. It's a jam-packed schedule. They're on the road a ton. And I think that the team has to look out for his uh, his long-term career. And I think that he wants to look out for himself as well with regards to playing for Team Canada this summer, which I I have I, I would guess that he'd want to to play for them. So yes, he's probably out. Do they want to call it? Really, it doesn't matter one way or the other, whether they say that he's out for the rest of the season or not. It really, it honestly will not make a difference <laughs> one way or the other. So I, 
I just wouldn't worry about it. And I would expect him to be out the rest of the season. I just don't think logically there's a lot of rhyme or reason to bring him back for the rest of the season, especially knowing the long-term goals of the team. It makes zero sense for him to play another game this season. Because if they won three of those Sacramento games, let's say they won all the games against Sacramento, which is certainly possible. Um, that kind of screws up everything, right? You have the possibility to drop, to drop to like nine or 10 in the draft. Then you just kind of like screw yourself over. So I don't know. I would not, I would not stress or worry about it, about the messaging or anything like that. Just know like what the long-term vision of the team is and like just put it together in your head and, and be, that, that kind of has to be enough. Um, okay. Uh, tanking thunder at tanking thunder asks contracts aside, which young duo would you rather have Brown and Tatum or Zion and Ingram? I would lean toward Brown and Tatum, but Zion would be the best player of that group in a few years, which makes it a tough call. I don't know that it's guaranteed that Zion is the best. I think he's the most electric guy of that group. I still think I would take Brown and Tatum. I think that it's harder to find wings than it is bigs. Uh, Zion, I mean, like, what do you call Zion? He's he's a big, big round point guard. Like, I don't know what you call him because uh, he doesn't play center and he plays more point than he does the big position, but I don't know. I'd rather build around Brown and Tatum. I think it's easier to find big guys. I think that you can find serviceable point guards. I think you can find some shooting to to put around those guys, uh, although Boston is making it look like a really difficult thing to do <laughs> this year. Uh, I just don't know what to do with Ingram yet. I just don't really know, and I feel way more comfortable with Jalen Brown than I do Brandon Ingram, and Jason Tatum even to a degree compared to Zion with all the health stuff. So I think I go Brown and Tatum. Just the position is so difficult to find. They're both really young, and you know we've seen we've seen them do it in the playoffs. So I'd go those two. At Zach Deeg, Bucks GM calls this summer and offers Giannis for picks only. How many picks do you give up, assuming that we get five and the late lottery this year? I mean Zion just or not Zion. Got Zion on the brain. Giannis just re-upped. I, (laughs) what a decision. I mean, honestly, if you add Giannis to this squad, you keep Horford, you keep Muscala, you have Shea, Dort, Baisley, Poku. Yeah, I think you accept that and you become a contender in the West, certainly. I don't know, seven first-round picks? (laughs) If, If they say no to five, I think that's probably, I mean, to... That's the whole goal, right? It is to get a superstar on a long-term deal. Uh, it's a fun hypothetical that will never happen. That's why we're going to move on to at the middle speed. What is the long-term plan for Coach Mark? I mean, it's hard to say what the long-term plan is. I think that we have to see what kind of coach he is when a team is trying to win. Certainly, I think that he's done a fantastic job. I mean, after last, last night's loss... They were all just like preaching from the Bible of Coach Mark. They're all all over the zero zero mentality, which is a Coach Mark thing. And that's something to be this late in the season, to have lost as many as they've lost, for the rotation to be as kind of wonky as it has been, for them to still be saying, well, we come in with this mentality that Coach Degnoth has given us. Like, okay. That's something. I would say that they're going to see what he is. I think he's done a really, really good job with this first season. And really, the tests come later, right? And we saw it with Scott Brooks. He did a, he took a team that won like 23 games up to 50 games. And it felt like that dude was the man until we got to the NBA Finals and he played perk too much, right? It's like, oh, okay. Maybe he's not quite the man. Uh, that's when you find out what real coaches are. I think that that will go with Steve Nash. Like the Nets have had a really nice season. What does Steve Nash do when you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, Game Seven, down three with four minutes left? I don't know. What happens? We got to find out. Uh, Giovanni Giovanni Rob wants to know what is one prospect you are lower on than other people, and one prospect that you are higher on. Than other people. So 
I would say overall, I'm maybe higher on Josh Giddy than a lot of people. Um, maybe I'm a little bit higher on Jalen Green than other people. Um, hmm. People are, have been really high on Davion Mitchell. I would have said that maybe a little bit ago. Um, I used to like Corey Kispert, and I've watched a little bit more. And I, and he's six seven, but he doesn't play like he's six seven. So I'm maybe a little bit lower on him than other people are. Um, Kai Jones scares just the bejesus out of me. There's a lot of people that are really high on Kai Jones, but that kind of prospect scares me. So I'm a little bit lower on him. Um, but yeah, that's probably, those are probably the guys I, I would honestly really consider Jalen Green at two, even after watching him a little bit more. I just think the scoring upside is something that is really hard to find. And he's, he's 19. I think he's one of the younger guys in the draft. I think there's just a few guys that are younger. I think Moses Moody is younger. I think Kaminga is younger. I think Keon Johnson from Tennessee is a little bit younger, but he's one of the youngest guys in the draft and has crazy upside when it comes to scoring. And he's got, he's a really good athlete. You know, he's six foot six, so he's got good size. And you pair him with Shea, who will give him all the space and then vice versa. I mean, that's, that is a scary one, two scoring punch with those two. And you could say the same for a Jalen Suggs. I just don't think he has the scoring punch. Evan Mobley, I love him. I think that forms the wackiest team ever. And if he hits his ceiling, that's a great, great pick-and-roll partner. Um, Kaminga is such a question mark. I still remain pretty high on him. I still think that he has a chance to be really good. And his size, 6'8", 210, that's, that's very intriguing. Um but maybe Jalen Green is one that I'm a little bit higher on than others. And then um, kind of lower on the Kai Jones guys, Corey Kispert, a little bit lower on those type of guys. Uh, okay, on to the next question. This is from at Brew Sawa. He wants to know, why didn't we pull the pin on winning games earlier in the season? Seems pointless. It may end up with the Thunder having to tank another whole year if the lottery doesn't go our way. So I'll say this. It was always, always, always unlikely that this would be a one-year tank. And I don't think that if you really want to be a championship contender that you can truly tank for one season. Now, is it possible? Yes. Can they get one and five and be done? Sure. You know, you get Cade to pair with Shea. You bring in Jonathan Kaminga. You develop him into like this versatile three, four hybrid Poku develops. Like there's, there is a world where we are done, you know, by the time we get to August with the quote unquote rebuild tanking. But it's unlikely. I mean, just look at the Phoenix Suns, for example. The Phoenix Suns have had Devin Booker for a while. Excellent player. Very good. It would be great to have one of those players. I think that Shea is the caliber of player um, as a Devin Booker. Great. Not even close to enough. Not even close. Cool. Doesn't matter. We draft DeAndre Ayton, number one. That's the number one pick in the draft. And a guy, yes, they should have taken Luka. Obviously, they should have. Things would have been much better if they had, but they didn't. But also they took a prospect that people didn't kill them for at the time. They did, DeAndre Ayton was viewed as a guy that could have been taken number one. They took him. Great. You have Booker. You have Ayton. You've got other auxiliary pieces around them. you got the Cam Johnsons. You've got the um, Mikhail Bridges. You've got all these guys. Great. We're good to go. They didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> they had to go trade for Chris Paul to get there. So it is really hard, and it's really hard to win with young players. And so I would say this. They pulled so many things to get to the point to where they were, and they were still much better than they should have been. And 
you know, I mean, look at all the trades they made. I mean, they traded Chris Paul, and essentially you get back stuff to help you get Poku and like Ty Jerome. Like Ty Jerome was it. You basically put, you trade Chris Paul for Ty Jerome, and then you trade Schroeder for a pick, right? Which helps you to get Poku. No, that's yeah, that's the one that helps you get Poku. Great. That's not a lot <laughs> to get back. And then you trade Steven and you get Ken Rich and you get George Hill. Like that's probably the the Ross a roster upgrade, right? Uh just positionally, those guys play more important positions. And you have guys uh that you get the the Danny Green that you flip for Al Horford. Yeah, that probably helps you a little bit there too. But for the most part, they downgraded a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot from last season. And they were still somehow putting it together. Some of it was coaching. Some of it was that Shea and Dort developed a lot faster than people thought they would. Poku was, you know, playing a little bit. I mean, yeah, they overachieved, certainly. But I think they thought that was enough to get you into a position to be really bad. Well, it turns out it wasn't, and they had some luck on their side too with regards to the season, and so they had to do a little bit more, and they got a little lucky that all those guys got injured, and they're going to handle those guys with care. So, I mean, to me, it's just like, I just don't know what else there was to do with regards to that. I mean, maybe you sit Horford the whole season, but I think they wanted to see if they could rebuild his value to trade him, and that didn't happen. And I think it was going to be easier to trade him in the offseason anyways. So, I mean, I just, I kind of sit here thinking, like, well, I just don't know what else there was to do at the time. Um, nobody thought they would be good. Everybody thought they'd be the worst team in the league. Everybody thought that. Even with the team that they had, they proved that to be wrong. The Thunder culture really is strong. That really is something. And it's something that's probably talked about too much with regards to NBA teams. But I don't think you can talk about it enough with the Thunder. So it's really hard to say. And I mean, the Thunder didn't like do something to Shea to make him get plantar fasciitis. That didn't happen. So I don't know. I think it's it's a tough one. I, I think that do they wish that they had more solidified odds at this point in the season? Of course, of course. But they, they did a lot to get there. All, I mean, all you can really do is set the course. So it's a tough, it's a tough question. Um, and also just keep in mind that this is, it's unlikely to be over unless they just get supreme luck in June at the draft lottery, which is unlikely. So I, I would just prepare yourselves for something, um, for something that lasts a little bit longer than one season. And so even if they do get one in five, Brett Dawson was talking about it on Saturday on the Dream Team. Like they're, they're not going to be good. I mean, they had. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and Jeff Green, they weren't good. They they stunk. They struggled to win games. At Stephen Lindsay, over under half a game remaining in wins this season, excluding the Sacramento matchups. <laughs> oh, give me the under, baby. I don't think they're going to beat uh, Golden State because Golden State is motivated. I think Utah would like to have themselves rolling a little bit. Same for the, the Clippers. So uh, give me the under on half a game. Uh, let's see. At Coriel underscore Charlie, what was Alexei Pokoshevsky eating on the bench last night? I don't know. So the way that the where I'm sitting uh, is kind of closer to the, to like in line with where the, the bench is with the, with the Thunder bench. And the basket's right there. So I can't, I don't get a clear view of the bench because of that, which is kind of a bummer. Um, so I couldn't see. Uh, it was a bummer that Poku had to sit. He really did try to give it a go last night and was just too sore to keep going. That's why they took him out so quick. In the second half, I think he played like two minutes and then he just couldn't go anymore. But still, we got some fun Poku stuff. At Hot Zone Shea, after this stretch, has your opinion changed of Darius Baisley? And if Baisley comes back next year with a polished jump shot, how good do you think he'll be? Uh, I've always thought that Bays could be good. He has not been super impactful with regards to like on-off stuff for the Thunder this season. Um, cleaning the glasses charts the on-off numbers in a way that excludes garbage time 
which gives you kind of the meat of what players are really doing. And he's been one of the worst players on the Thunder with regards to to plus minus and on off stats. So um, that's, but I think that that's kind of this team a little bit. Let me see where he's at. Yeah, he's still at a minus 2.8. The only players that are worse than him on the team are Tail Maladon has the worst on the team, negative 13.3, Moses Brown minus 9.2, Poku minus 8.9, Roby minus 7.0. So basically has gotten better during the stretch. Uh, I've always liked his potential. I think that he can be a multi-positional role player that he's got to get back to hit knocking down his threes. And they've tried to unbox him a little bit this season, I guess if that's a phrase that people say. I don't know. Uh, and let him kind of... Uh, ex- this is something Sam Bassini has said. He said this last week on my show, and he's been saying it a lot. He's, they kind of let him explore the studio space. That's been kind of a, a thing that the Thunder have let people do is explore the studio space a little bit and figure out who they are. And I do love Baisley attacking the basket. I think that that's been a huge improvement for him is the way that he finishes around the rim. I think he's uh, up about seven percentage points from last season, which is really good. And he continues to improve there. He's just got to improve the jump shot. You're right. Like if he comes back with a polished jump shot, he can score 12 points a game or something like that. I mean, he's scoring 15 a game per 36 this season. Um, per game, he's at 13.4. If you're adding, and that's that's something with a lot of these totals, like Dort's at 14, uh, Shea was at 23 when he was playing, Tao 10, Ty Jerome 10, um, Isaiah Roby 9. You put a player on here that's going to take one, you, you throw Shea back on this team who's taking 16 shots. That's a lot. Let's say they do draft Jalen Green. He's going to take probably 18 shots. Uh, these numbers are going to go down for these guys, for the Dorts, for the Baisleys, for the Teos, for those guys. Uh, the possessions will go down. So I think that Baisley can get better and have better, in, certainly with efficiency, could be a better player at 12 points and seven rebounds a game than he is at his 13 and seven. Uh, because he's shooting 40% from the field and he's shooting 28% from three. Like that's got to get better. And he's only 68% at the line. Uh, not very many attempts at the line either. So there's got to be a, a pretty big improvement there. I think he's got it. I think that he's got the shooting. I don't, I don't actually don't even really worry about that too much. I think that he'll be a fine corner shooter. He's not been that this season. He is, um, 25% from the corners this season. That's like actively bad. <laughs> you know, even at, even if somebody's shooting like 34% from the corners, that's bad. You don't want to be a 34% corner shooter. It's an easier shot. It's a closer shot. That's one where you need to be in the 40s. Like if you take a look at Lou Dort, Lou Dort's 44% from the corners. Kenrich Williams, 55% from the corners. Isaiah Roby, 50% from the corners. Shea's 46 I mean, that's bad. Ty Jerome, 44. Mike Muscala, 42. Svee, 45. A guy shooting in the 40s, Darius Miller, when he played 42% from the corners. Even Teo, 38%. It's not great, but it's passable. 25%. That's uh, super terrible. (laughs) That's really, really bad. Um, So that's got to improve. But then, like, you look at the dunks. Like, he has the second most dunks on the team this season. Um, next to Moses Brown, who just basically dunks everything. So that's a, it's an improvement. Um, but we need to see more. And I don't think he progressed as much as a defender as I would have hoped. So there's that too. All right, let's take a look at the stream real quick before we take a quick break. We have Tyler Field in OKC. We have Adve in New Jersey. We have uh, Dylan Hunsinger, my guy Thunder Chats. What's up, dude? We have Paul Chi in Jamaica. We have Hermes in Greece. We have Falk in Denmark. We have Adam Jacques <laughs> says, I'm listening from one of the new Doritos bags. <laughs> that was a good tweet last night. Uh, Aaron in New Zealand. Christos in Greece. We have um, a, a friend from Ghana. I don't want to try to pronounce your name because I will really mess it up. Um, so sorry, but thank you for listening. Wow, how cool. 
Um, we have Daniel in the UK who says, Wasan. We have Yoni in Israel. What's up, Yoni? Um, let's see. We have Twice God from Altus. We have Christopher from <laughs> Quell Creek Bank. What's up? Bryce Little in Stillwater. We have Sean Cargill in OKC. We have Hoopsock69. I still think I think he's still on the moon. Yes. Uh, we have Miroslav in Germany. We have Cody McChicken and Norman. We have Reed Allen from Mr. Allen's Physics Class. What's up, Mr. Allen's Physics Class? Uh, we have Felipe in Brazil. We have David in Santa Monica. Steven in Utah. Um, and I think that's it. Hope you guys are doing well. And we will be right back after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back. From that quick break, onward, more questions, must answer more questions, at MJ underscore Horner. How concerned should we be about Shea's foot? Would he be playing if this happened and we were contenders? I, long term, I'm not concerned about the foot. I do think that he would have missed a ton of time had we been contenders and it would have been a real bummer. Uh, That is what I will say about that. At SGA4MIP, do you think it's worth the Thunder trading up with picks if the lottery doesn't go our way? Yes. At Logan Goodner 7 what Thunder players do you think have the biggest trade value around the league? I think, obviously, Shea is number one with regards to trade value. I think that um, Dort is probably next. Long-term, longer-term deal, can slot in with anybody. I think that probably a really good first rounder, uh, you know, a top 10 pick, you could get him. And it might be worth it to do that, honestly. I think he's been that good. Uh, I don't think that they're looking to trade him uh, at all. Uh, but I don't think he's untouchable. Uh, and then it's just kind of a mixed bag. Like, I think Poku's got some trade value, but I don't think you can get a whole lot from him today. I don't know really where the intersect is with regards to how much he's worth and how much like the potential and all that stuff. So that's one, that one's kind of messy. Uh, I think Darius Baisley could fetch you something decent. I think Kenrich Williams could fetch you something decent. And then it's probably like a big drop off. Like I don't think anybody's going out of their way to get Teo. Um, same with Moses Brown, Tony Bradley, Charlie Brown. I think that's probably about it. I don't know that even like a Ty Jerome, who's really been really good hitting some really nice deep threes, I don't think there's a ton of trade value for him. So I think the list is uh, pretty short on the guys that have good trade value around the league. <clears throat> From at, at the real Chen, how likely is it that Horford stays past this upcoming summer? I think it's unlikely. I think that they will find a way to move on from Al Horford this summer. Um, is it possible that they draft a few guys that make them think that Al Horford is a he'd be better here than it would be to trade him? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. I would still, uh, I would still guess they move on from him though. At Nick Orman, which of the f- of the fellow tankers, Orlando, Minnesota, Houston, Detroit, and I guess Sacramento, do you have the most faith in to potentially build a championship level roster in the next five years? Ooh. I really like this question. Oh, boy. It is so dependent on who gets K'd, right? I mean, I think that that's... I would say 
Orlando is pretty far off, but I do like some of the pieces that they have to surround like a star with. So I like that. Minnesota and Sacramento are just, and even throw Houston in this, like those, they're just such messes, right? Like Sacramento, Minnesota, Houston. There, it wasn't the plan to be bad. Orlando traded to get bad. Detroit is trying to be bad. Really, I would put the only tanking teams, Orlando, Detroit, OKC. Minnesota wanted to be good. They just stink. That organization stinks. Same with Sacramento. Like Sacramento thought they would be good. They're horrible. They're awful. And it's not because they have just awful players. I think if you threw the Kings roster in OKC and you changed just the organization and coaching staff, I think that team is in the play-in or better. I think you could say the same for Minnesota. Detroit is trying to lose, and I think their culture is being rebuilt. I kind of believe in them a little bit, so maybe Detroit might be the one that I believe in the most. I kind of like what they're doing. They've got some young guys. You add a couple superstars to that. I think that you're close. Houston is, is just far off. I don't have any faith in them. Bad ownership. Like the number one dictator of if your team is going to have like great success down the road, a lot of times is, do you have a good owner? Like that's your that's the first question you want to ask yourself. Do we have a good owner? I'm sorry, Sacramento. Sorry, Houston. You're done. Sorry, Minnesota. Minnesota's trying to sell their team. Maybe things will change with Minnesota with a new owner. I don't know a lot about Orlando's ownership group, but I know that they forced them to do the Serge Ibaka trade. Right? So I don't really trust that either. So maybe my answer is Detroit. Maybe that's it. At Kyle Panabaker, if we get one top five pick, Keith Horford and Muscala, is this current roster a playoff team next year? I think the team will be highly entertaining and could easily make a push for the playoffs. I think it's tough, man. Like, look at the West. Look at the Western Conference. Is that team better than the Blazers? Probably not, but maybe. Are they better than Memphis, who has had a chance to gel a little bit as a team? Probably not. Warriors with Clay? Probably not. San Antonio, who are just perpetually meh? I don't know. I think they're in that range. They're not better than the Lakers, Mavericks, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, or Suns, certainly. They're not getting in the top six, right? So then we're talking about a play-in team, right? And they have a chance to get better over time, sure. I just don't know that that I just don't know that there's the I just don't know that the benefit is there, to be honest. In New Orleans, like everybody thinks New Orleans should be better this year. Maybe they get better next year. That's another team you throw in there. I don't know. I still think they'd be better than Sacramento, Minnesota. Those teams stink. I don't care who's on the roster, they stink. Houston will be bad again, undoubtedly. But then, like San Antonio, Golden State, Memphis, Portland, are they are they are they for sure better than those teams? I don't know. It's not a guarantee. I don't think it's easy. I couldn't say easy. Uh, I think they'd be good. I think they'd be in the mix, but I don't think it'd be as easy as people think. At Augs Sarmento wants to know if Dort continues to evolve, what would be the new ceiling for him? Jimmy Butler, or Gary Payton. Woo! Woo! Ooh, I need to take my shirt off right there. Gary Payton, goodness gracious. Um, I think he is high-level Marcus Smart probably still is, is the easy one to, to land on, right? Oh, Jay. <laughs> Jay, I'm sorry. I'm just now looking at the chat. Jay, hi, Jay. Who's your favorite member of the Fry Pod? It's obviously Jay. Always my favorite. Um, I, I think, I, oh, man, Jimmy. The the ability to create off the dribble and to shoot threes is it's been shocking, honestly. And I would prefer not to put a ceiling on him, but like a Jimmy Butler level player, I think is unlikely, but I don't think it's out of the possibility, if that makes sense. What is it, like 10% chance he ends up being that level of player? I might put him there. 10%. You know, I'd roll the dice for 10% chance of getting a Jimmy Butler type of guy but I do think that he's like he's a starting level player yeah I think that he's there already 
Uh, Sean Cargill wants to know, which one of the younger players do you see Presti trading? I have a gut feeling it will be Jerome. I feel like he's going to get something good for him. I hope not, though. He's fun to watch. I mean, I think that all these guys are uh, not untouchable, like I said. I could see them trading Darius Baisley. I could see them trading Ty Jerome. I could see them trading Tail Maladon. I could see all the, any of those guys being traded. I have a harder time seeing them trading Dorton Shea. I have a harder time seeing them trade Poku, especially at this point. But yeah, Jerome, Baisley, Maladon. Yeah, Roby. Sure, I could see it. I could see those happening. Uh, Ethan at nickel four. If we kept Chris Paul, where would this team be seated right now? Is it possible they would be a top two seed? Very interesting. This was actually part of the down to dunk chat, our little text group last night, which uh, can be one of the most hilarious text groups uh, in America, I believe. There is just some wacky stuff that goes on there. Uh, but if you look at what their rotation could have been, had they not, if they just ran it back and tried to be good, right? Is it unreasonable to think they could be the sons of this season? Chris Paul, George Hill, Teo, SGA at the two, Dort at the three, Baisley, Kenrich Williams at the four, Horford, Mascala at the five. And you could even say, we're going to keep Schroeder too. And so you bring Schroeder off the bench. You bring like George Hill, Schroeder, Hami, Kenrich, Mascala off the bench. You have Teo and Poku kind of developing in the background. Shoot, that's a that's like a good team. That's a legitimately good team. And is it crazy to think they could be like the two, three seed? I don't think it's crazy, especially if you can stay healthy. That's something the Suns have been able to do for the most part. So I don't think it's crazy. However, I think that you miss missing out on this draft would be really tough for the future of the team. Because I don't think that that team has like a long-term future. So, because, I mean, the Suns, first of all, the Suns haven't made the playoffs in a decade. And it's just like really important that they do that. Um, but then they also have the Booker-Ayton group that can grow. Uh, and you really you have Dort and Shea, but is that enough? I mean, I say no, right? But it, it would have, it could have been really fun. It certainly could have been fun. Um, at Pac-Man Tomlinson, should Ty Jerome be considered part of the young core? No, but he's fun and he's nice. Uh, at where my pitch is, say we end up with number three and number five with Cum- Cunningham and Mobley uh, off the board. Where do you go? Green and Kaminga? I mean, if I could get Green and Suggs, that's where I'm going. I would bring Dort off the bench if I had to, right? And I would play the, I would play those three with Shea, and you just have this like crazy versatile scoring lineup. Um, the fit isn't perfect, but those are the highest upside swings, right? I think that you, I mean, a lot of draft people have started to knock Kaminga down at a level. So give me the highest level players only, please. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, French Shenadia. Sorry, that's just... Sh- oh, dang it. French Shenadian. French Shenadian, right? Okay. Uh, who, 
who do you see having a longer term, more successful NBA career? Gabby Deck or Svi? Interesting question. Was also talking about this last night. Uh, Joe Masato and I were talking about this uh, at halftime. And I don't know. <laughs> this is a bad answer. Um, it's probably Sfi, just because Sfi has a definable NBA skill that translates to almost every roster, right? And that's shooting. Um, I would say that it's probably him. I, there's just not a large enough sample size on Gabriel Deck yet to know um, what he's going to be. Um, so yeah, I just need to see more. It's just really hard to say after a few games and one of them being an Indiana game that is really not a game. Um, that was just more of just a public murder. Um, so I would, I just don't know. I just don't know yet what to think about Deck. I want to see him play a little bit more. I want to see him play when there's a scouting report on him, right? Because we saw Moses Brown play without the scouting report on him for like two weeks and he looked like a freaking monster. Have you said the word monster about Moses Brown since there's been a scouting report on him? Nope. So let's get a scouting report. Let's get some time. Let's let's give it a week even with Gabriel Deck and see what he is. Because it's just too hard to say. Um, he's not an explosive athlete. He's not a guy that shoots it at a high level. His shot is just like a set shot that takes time to wind up. I don't love that. So I think it's easier to forecast Sfee, um as a guy. Uh, let's see. Oh, Felipe Camargos is asking in the chat, um, how is Vit Krejci doing? Is he going to play at the start of next season? I think he'll play with the Thunder. I I don't think it's out of the possibility that he's one of their two-way guys. Uh, it just depends on how the roster shakes up. Um, but I would... He's He's been rehabbing here, and I think he's on track to play next season. I think he's supposed to play five-on-five five stuff this summer with, with, the, with the crew. Um, let's see. Nathan Wiebeck, um from Dubbo, Australia. Very cool. Um, would I trade Bay straight up for Cameron Johnson? Yes. Without a doubt. Tech Fleece Teo is it, was in Miami. What's up? Thanks for joining. Uh, okay. On to more questions. Let's see if we can get through all of these. I don't know if I can. I don't know if it's the stamina. Uh, Shay is goat. Ask what pick odds down do you see us having? As we have the fifth best odds, what do you see happening? I, I answered that earlier. I think probably in the two to four range is where they'll end up with regards to odds. At sbean0012, if the Thunder decides to trade for an established star to add to the core in the next year or two, what is the most? Who are the most likely candidates? Oh boy, this is a tough one. I just I think that you have to be very convinced that you have the guys necessary to compete in order to do this, right? I don't think this is just something that they do if they're just like, yeah, we'll just go trade for a star. Um, first of all, the star has to want out. Second of all, the team has to be willing to trade them. And so the easy scenario to see that with is Carl Anthony Towns. Now, I just don't know that the Thunder are going to be willing to give up what's necessary to get Carl Anthony Towns. And when he's got two years left on his deal, is it worth it to trade for him? I just don't know. I don't know the answers to those questions. Um, but he's he's definitely one that you could see. And then you just kind of start poking around like is it pascal siakam maybe maybe that's a guy but he's like super jacked to get pascal siakam i mean maybe if you have Cade cunningham and shea maybe you are like yeah i think you are um so maybe that's one of the guys maybe the pacers just continue to just tank down maybe the thunder can get sabonis back in a deal i don't think that's unreasonable i think that he's somebody that the thunder front office really loves somebody that i love put up that triple-double in no time in OKC the other night. So that's certainly a guy that you could look at um, that has an OKC history. Uh, perhaps Trey Young. What if what if the Hawks never take off? Maybe that's a guy that you go get and you don't have an additional point guard from this draft. Uh, but it's unclear, honestly. It's really unclear who that could be. And it makes me just believe more and more and more that the Thunder are going to do this to the draft and then try to put pieces around them. So um, there's a few candidates, but 
It's hard to say. Um, from at top, Ja Mur 77. If Kate is off the table and OKC gets the second pick, which prospects are you and McKelly taking if you were in charge of the Thunder? Like I said earlier, it might be Jalen Green. Just because it's hard to imagine a higher upside um, pick. Um, Evan Mobley is also one that I would really like. Um, but I might just swing and say Jalen Green. And you be you have your high upside scoring guards and then you find defensive guys in the middle or you hope Poku develops or whatever. Um, that's probably what I do at this point, but there's still a lot of draft evaluation to happen. Uh, at Quick Trip, it's always TQs and never QTs. Well, Quick Trip, uh, you know, send me a DM. Maybe we can hash this out. We'll figure this out. Uh, at Warner West 2, which would make you feel more hopeful for OKC's future if you knew these facts today? Poco would be a career 40% three-point shooter. Dort would be a career 37% three-point shooter. It's Poku. It's no question that it's Poku. I can imagine a world of Dort being a 37% three-point shooter. Does it change the trajectory of the Thunder entirely? Probably not. He's still more of a role player. If Poku shoots 40%, that means he's taking these off the dribble. He's taking contested ones. Um, he's doing all sorts of wacky stuff, and he still shoots 40%. That tells me Poku's a star. Okay? If you want to know what the marker is, there it is. If he can do all that he can do, move the way that he does on the court, throw the passes that he does. The dude was sore as can be last night and threw two of the most insane passes I've seen all season out of any NBA team, and I've been watching everybody this year. And nobody at his size does what he does. Nobody, not one person does that. Maybe Giannis, but that's it. Adam Jacquez, if the Thunder end up with picks 7 and 19, does this all but assure the tank will go on for another season? I think yes. Uh, at Z Wilkerson 78, we now sit half a game back of four, one back of three, one and a half back of two. Realistically, how far could we fall by the end of the season? I think realistically two is the furthest they could fall. Um, but I would guess it'd be closer to four. Kel Courtright, would you re- what would you recommend the front office do if we end up with seven and 19? Um, aggressively trade up. That's what I would recommend. Um, at Thunder, Thunder F up. Uh, is Deck the only player on our team with visible tattoos? I know Mike Muscala, of course, but it seems like a lot less players have tattoos now. Um, hmm. Maybe? I need to I need to investigate this a little bit more. Good question. Um, at underscore CL12, what would our record be if Shea was healthy? I mean, they're probably in like the 500-ish range, right? Um maybe close to like that 31 and 32 that the Spurs are, or maybe 29 and 35 that the Pelicans are in that range. Nothing spectacular. Um, at JD underscore Brown nine, who you're cheering for tonight, the magic or the Pistons. Um, let's see. So I guess I am cheering for the, I don't know. One's going to lose. I, I think the Thunder have a chance to pass both of them, and it's really good that this game is happening right now. But I suppose that I am cheering for the Magic because they're already up a game of the Pistons. So let's go Magic. Let's get some Cole Anthony Magic in the house again. Um, let's see. At Thunder Chats, who may or may not still be here, don't know if you are, uh, you can't pair Cade with anyone. If you're going to pair someone projected two to four and four, five to 14 as ideal players for the Thunder, who are you going to take? So one person in the two to four range and one person from the five to 14 range is the question, I believe. So taking Jalen Green and I'm taking... I mean, it's easy to take... I mean, can I just take Jonathan Kaminga? <laughs> Is that the wrong answer? <laughs> Let's say that it's... I think maybe he 
doesn't want to include Jonathan Kaminga in that. So then I take Scotty Barnes. Uh, so you have your Jalen Green and you have your Shea, and then you have Dort and Scotty Barnes. Like, holy crap. <laughs> that's really fun. That's super fun. Uh, that's what I would do. Um, if I, think, I think I'm answering that correctly. I don't know that he wants me to. I, otherwise, it would just be Kaminga. But let's make it more fun. Uh, Lester Freeman, if OKC slips past five, heaven forbid, how would you feel about them drafting Josh Giddy? I mean, if they, I don't think they draft him at six. Um, maybe with the Miami pick, you get him. I'd feel good about that. Um, Bangelope, what's up? I answered your question already earlier. Thanks for asking a question. Uh, at Brian Nix, my childhood friend, f- former neighbor. Deck is awesome, but still an odd fit considering the timeline. Is it possible he signed with us knowing that he might be traded to a contender in the offseason? A wink-wink deal with the agent who's actually just wanting an opportunity um, over winning. Has He's a solid playoff rotation piece. Certainly possible. Um there were rumors that the Clippers wanted him uh, before the season started. So, and he's got like a good salary number to trade. So, I wouldn't, it's not out of the question that Gabriel Deck is traded this summer. Uh, and the last question, we did it from at Cole Profit. Doomsday prep. If you're preparing for the worst and the Thunder miss on Houston's pick and end up with 7 and 19, what? players would you like to see drafted seven and 19 if scotty barnes is there at seven i'm taking scotty barnes um if he's not there i'm sad and maybe i take jalen johnson um and then i'm swinging hard um on that last pick so maybe it's Zaire Williams, maybe it's Jaden Springer if he lasts to that pick. Maybe it's Josh Giddy at that pick. Um, that's probably what I do in that um, for those guys. Those guys fit Thunder, our Thundery type players. Uh, Zaire Williams, just a guy with crazy potential that had a really crappy year at Stanford, um, but still like the upside of him. Um, Jaden Springer, super young guy that has um, some nice upside so that's probably what I do and I don't feel good about it so all right thanks so much we did it all thanks for listening thanks for joining in on the stream if you are here uh, you guys are great you've always been great to me we have episode 1000 of down to dunk on Friday which is um, something I'm really proud of it was the start of all of this eventually becoming a actual career for me, which is mind-blowing to this day for me. Uh, so it's something that's really important to me, and I'm really excited about it. So we are going to do the fry pod that day. We want to do something special. If you think of any moments um, that you remember about our show, uh, I want you to send those to me. You can email them if you would like, if you have any like longer thoughts than a tweet. Um, send them to me at, at dtd at gmail.com. Or you can always just tweet them at me. I have closed my DMs for <laughs> um, good reasons. Um, but you can always just tweet at me, or if I follow you, you can DM me, um, or just send me an email. So if you have thoughts or anything about um, down to dunk through the years, feel free to do that. Uh, I am in the process of trying to find a place to do a NBA draft party in July. Um, I'm very hopeful that that will happen. So we will get to be together again as a community of people. So I'm really excited about that. Um, thank you guys. Thanks. Hoopsock 69. Thank you. Tech fleece Teo. Um, for the congratulations. Yeah. Uh, it's something I'm really excited about. Um, not many podcasts make it to a thousand episodes. So, um, yeah, something I'm excited and proud of. So get ready for that. Send us memories, um, of particular episodes or whatever, really. Um, I would appreciate any of that. We will talk a lot about that kind of stuff on Friday. Um, so yeah, 
Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.